right now, in the middle of this pandemic, you are going to have to prove to some people that you actually love them. You are going to have to prove to some people that you actually love them. I'm talking about your husband, your wife, your kids, your parents, some close friends of yours that you really haven't seen much of lately, and yeah, your church family. Because if you're not careful when this pandemic is over, these people who matter most may actually conclude that you don't love them. I know what this is. I moved out of state to go to college outside of Chicago. So I grew up in small town, Indiana, but I went to big city Chicago to go to college. And I'm gonna tell you that the big city Chicago is different and the wealth and wealthy people that I had growing up, very different than the wealth and wealthy people of Chicago. In freshman year, I met a young man named Derek. I'll call him Derek. Derek had a brand new two-door cherry red BMW. He came from big time money. Now freshmen weren't allowed to have cars, but he kept his car off campus somewhere. And Derek had a string of girlfriends. Derek was always coming in after curfew and we knew on the hall that Derek was sexually active. And if you went to Wheaton College, you promised three things. I will not have sex outside of marriage. I will not drink alcohol and I will come in before curfew. <laughs> and he broke woo, several of those things. Derek was on probation at Wheaton all the time, all the time. When we finally heard stories about his dad, about his home life, and we, we found out Derek never, never had any boundaries at all. He could do whatever he wanted all through high school. And they were like, no problem, honey. Here's some more money. Be careful. You know, we concluded on the hallway that his parents really, at the end of the day, didn't love him. I had a friend in high school whose parents never showed up at our band concerts. And we'd always be like, where are your folks? Where are your folks? Like, where are they? Oh man. And these people were strict. Like they had rules and then they had subsets of rules. And he had to do all of the rules to be kind of acceptable in mom and dad's eyes. Well, by the time we hit junior year, he figured out that he was gonna buck the system and he started dressing really weird. Uh, he copped an attitude and he just, he did things that were outlandish that in the 1980s were pushing the boundaries of acceptability. And at age 52 today, I can look back, I know exactly what he was doing. He was basically screaming to his parents, hey, hey, here I am, notice me, love me, here I am, here I am, pay attention to me. Um, it's funny what we will do to get key people in our lives to show us that they love us. Isn't it weird some of the things that we will do in the, the, the links that we will go to get people to show us that they love us? Now, just like you, I grew up in a dysfunctional home. And just like you parents, I am providing a dysfunctional home for my children. I figure, hey, seems only fair. 
But despite all of the circumstances of my childhood, I can actually say to you, Generations Community Church, I knew that my parents loved me. I knew that my parents loved me because they showed up at every silly band concert I had. There they were in the audience. Hey, you know. The second thing is they knew me. I would get gifts at Christmas with pictures of Abraham Lincoln that I could hang on my wall. They knew I had a kind of a soft spot in my heart for Team America back then. And so I got all kinds of America stuff to put on my walls. Biggest thing, they didn't run away. Uh, I found out in my 40s, 30s or 40s, that there was a time period where my parents almost got divorced, but they didn't, right? They stuck with it and they stuck with us. They didn't run away. Hugely, hugely important. Reggie Joyner says that when it comes to key relationships in our lives, there are three things that are absolutely critical. One, you got to show up. Two, you got to know them. And three, you cannot run away, okay? We have to do these things because when we do, we model the kind of love that God showed us. That's right. God showed up, God knows us, and God didn't and won't run away from us. I want to teach you some things tonight from the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. It's a letter from Paul, and this section of Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10 is basically kind of encapsulating what we have in Jesus Christ. When we have Jesus Christ, we have everything, Paul says. And if you want to know what God's love looks like, man, here it is, baby. And he outlines it in Ephesians chapter 2. So let's just chunk this away a few verses at a time. Paul says, chapter 2, verse 1, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. You were dead. Your trouble was not that you were out of harmony with the environment. Your trouble is not that you were unable to make meaningful relationships in life. Your trouble was that you were dead. Have you ever been to a funeral where halfway through the service, the guy in the casket pops up and does, uh, hey, uh, what happened? What's going on? No, you know why that's never happened? Dead people stay dead, okay? And when you live in sin, you think you're making your own decisions, but really you're just going with the flow, this giant tsunami tidal wave that goes one place, death. Have you ever thought about why you give kids and teenagers rules? Don't cross the street, honey. At prom, do not go off alone. You can't, don't ever. Be careful. Have you ever thought about those rules? Why, why do you have those rules as a parent? You want to protect your kids. You want to keep them safe from harm. Why? Because you love them. God's rules 
have the same reason. Don't eat that. Don't go there. It's God saying, hey, hey, I love you. I love you. According to this passage, all of us have flouted God's rules and kind of refused his love in that way. But Paul goes on in verse four, but God, so rich in mercy, God loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. But God, anytime you read those two words from Paul or really anywhere in the Bible, but God, you know something important is going down. God loved us so much. Why would God do what Paul describes here? Because he loved us. It's a gift. It's not deserved. It's not earned. It's a gift freely given out of love. God does not look down on us, all of us here, and go, oh, hey, hey, Gabriel. Gabriel, Michael, come here. Look at this dude in Wilmore. Holy cow, has he got it going. I think this guy's sanctified. Come on. Hey, let's get the blessings going. Channel it and funnel it through this guy. Oh, that's not how God rolls. That's not what God does. It's not because we've done anything to catch his attention. He loves us because he made us and he loves us. And it's not based on our performance. It's loved, soaked, grace and mercy. Grace, by the way, is getting something you didn't deserve. Mercy is avoiding punishment or consequences you do deserve. And we've gotten both grace and mercy. And Paul is saying in this section that God is basically unloading his riches on us and he doesn't withhold anything. And he's showing us that he loves us by what he's done for us. God takes stupid, unproductive, slow learners, fast talkers, selfish people, greedy people, turns them into spiritually alive, heavenly positioned, connected to God, billboards of mercy, honored sons and honored daughters. And then he goes on in verse eight. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for it. This is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. Let me say that again. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. When you and I believed, when you believed, when I believed, belief, faith, it's an interesting word, isn't it? Right? Now you and I exercise faith all the time. 
at some point today, you went into the bathroom and you turned on the shower and you had faith that water was going to come out of that spigot and not slime from Nickelodeon. If later on today you get behind the wheel and you decide to be a daredevil and go from here to Harrodsburg on US 68 along the Kentucky Palisades and you take it at a brickneck speed of 45 miles an hour around those curves, you've got faith that there isn't a giant hole in the wall or that a section of it hasn't been washed away down the Palisades into the river. That's faith. <laughs> Maybe a little craziness too. Salvation doesn't come to us because of our church attendance, confirmation class, baptism, observing communion, keeping the Ten Commandments, or living by the Sermon on the Mount. It's a gift received by faith. God offers the gift, and we go, okay, I accept. Yes. Now, those good things that Paul talks about in this passage, those good works, are they for God? No. Let me say that again. Are they for God? No. God does not need our good works, but our neighbor does. Our families do. Our churches do. Our communities do. So you and I and all of us who are saved together are God's masterpiece. God's the artist. God saved us and gave us the power to do His will. God's at work in us. That's love at work. In my opinion, by reading what Paul is saying here, Paul is basically saying, hey, God has proven to us that He loves us. God showed up. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God showed up. God knows us. Jesus says, teaching to a crowd, what are you worried about? The hairs on your head are numbered. God cares, see the birds of the air, see the flowers, like God cares about all that. How much more does God care about you? God showed up, God knows us, and God won't run away. Jesus says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Let me ask a couple of questions in light of this passage from Ephesians chapter 2. How do you feel when you know that you're loved? I'm going to suggest a word, confident. That's how you feel, confident. Let me ask a second question. Do you know someone right now who's hurting? Yeah, there's a lot of people hurting right now. So how can you and I take this home? I have, <laughs> I have some suggestions. First of all, show up. When the world kicks back in and starts spinning frenetically and there's all these activities and things to do, show up to things. One of the biggest things that you should show up for our funeral visitations. Yeah, you have a friend, you know somebody at work, their mom dies, whatever, go to the visitation. I know, I know, you don't wanna throw on the slacks, you don't wanna don it, I, I get it. But it matters, when you show up, you know what you're saying to them? Hey, I love you, care about you. 
funeral visitations matter. Uh, the thing that you and I can do right now in this pandemic world, the way that we can show up is when you see a friend that's got a Facebook or a social media post where they're like, hurting right now or need your prayers or unspoken request or you know whatever it is that they're doing that they're waving the flag don't just send the care don't just click the care button but like message them record something on your phone and send it to them through messenger so that they hear your voice hey i just want you to know i'm praying for you or hey i just want you to know I, man that sounds horrible like how are you like Reach out, right? Show up. Secondly, know them. If you've got people in your life, there's some questions you need to ask them. What are you watching on YouTube right now? And the answer may be something that you go, whoa, ah, what? You're watching what? Like, what are you watching on YouTube right now? What's in your playlist right now? What makes you laugh? What makes you cry? What are you looking forward to? What are you dreading? Lastly, and most importantly, do not run away. Don't run away. I want to talk to you married people for a moment. Married people, stay married. Married people, stay married. This is important. This is really important that you not cut and run. It isn't about your personal fulfillment as much it is as it is about your personal holiness and about your kids and about our community. I'm not talking about abuse. I'm not talking about infidelity. I'm talking about this category that comes up over and over again of irreconcilable differences. Don't run away. You got friends? Don't bail on your friends. Let me say this again. Do not bail on your friends, okay? Friends don't bail on friends. If I need, I will make all of y'all get into that sanctuary and we will watch all 10 seasons of NBC sitcom Friends and you'll get the point, okay? Don't bail on friends. Remember, the good works here are not for you. They're not for God. They're for the people around us because when we do those things, when we do those good works, they see and feel loved and they see and feel God's love. When I was in sixth grade, I had a teacher, Mr. Oberhoser. I'm 52 years old and I still have the cheesy scholastic book that he got me at the end of sixth grade year. Why do I have this book? It's been a long time since I've been in sixth grade because Mr. Oberhoser knew me. When I was in sixth grade, my room was a shrine to America. I had an American flag, I had the Constitution on the wall, I had the Bill of Rights on the wall, I had Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, like I was America tripped out in my bedroom. And he knew that, and he knew that about me, and so he got me this biography of Abraham Lincoln, but it's the inscription in the front page that really makes it. To Mark Vanderpool, parenthesis, our future president. Now, I'm not running for office. I'm not running for president. I'm not running for magistrate. I'm not running for dog catcher. Forget it. I'm not doing that. But Mr. Oberhoser knew me and knew my heart. And that was him saying, hey, I love you. I see you. Okay. When my dad retired, 
one of the things he did for me at Generations Community Church is he came into the church office twice a week and he did secretarial stuff that for his entire life had hired other people to do for him. And he did it poorly. He could not file. He couldn't handwrite things. He couldn't remember phone numbers. Like it was like, it was just bad, but he came in twice a week and he did it faithfully. And you know what he was saying to me? I love you, son. I've done similar things, okay? These things matter. Show up, show up, know them, and don't run away. Because at the end of the day, that's what God did for us. Gang, I love you, and I'll see you around the block.